We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program committed to taking your phone calls, answering your questions, Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever's on your heart. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can listen to our uh, or use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. Everything else will be hands-free. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Well, we made it to the end of another week. And every time we get here on Friday, I think, ooh, this is a busy weekend. But that's really good stuff. Tonight I'm going to be uh, beginning act, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to try to get through the first 15 verses tonight. It is a wonderful Bible study all about freedom. Uh, that's tonight at 7 o'clock. Uh, you can watch it live at calvarysa.com, uh, or you can join us. Typically, we have room on Friday nights, and uh, we would love to see you. Uh, on Sunday, I am going to be teaching uh, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 14, and uh, we'll see how far we get in that. Lots and lots of stuff going on uh, around the weekends for you, wherever you go to church. Get up, offer your body to the Lord as a living sacrifice, and see exactly what God has in store for you. It'll change your church experience forever. That much I can promise. We've got a couple callers on the line already, so let me go to them right away, and then we'll get to some questions that have been sent. we got Aaron from Universal City on line one. Aaron, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Uh, hello, Pastor Ron. Uh, Lucy and I are, are here, but uh, I, uh, I'm i the one that uh, has a question or actually wants uh some comments uh, or feedback from you. Um, this is the first time I do this. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so it has to do with prayer. Uh, I uh, years ago, uh, when I was at the university and I was active in the Baptist student ministry, uh, one of the uh, associate directors there, uh, he. Uh, was a big part in discipling me and others. And uh, one day uh, I was asked to pray, and he, I guess, did some constructive criticism in the appropriate way, and he jotted down the number of times I said the name of the Lord, like in a span of, I don't know, three to five minutes. And uh, afterwards, uh, he told me, uh, Aaron, uh, I counted 
that you said uh, the name of the Lord, like, I don't know, 20, at least 25 times within that short time. And he, he, he told me or he taught me that, uh, that, is, that that is not necessary uh, to be uh, repetitious. Um, and he then, uh, he said, you know, when we talk to God, it's like, you know, we, we are talking to a friend. And then he proceeded to uh, model uh, a conversation where he uh, was talking with me, and he would constantly repeat my name, Aaron. <laughs> and you know what, Aaron? And then this happened, and I did this, and Aaron, and then and then that, and then Aaron, and... Uh, so, what I learned was, uh, you know, to, uh, I guess, <laughs> relax and, you know, when talking with God, uh, and that there is no need for uh, uh, constantly repeating uh, His name. Uh, it, it just, it, you know, we don't do that in a normal conversation. Anyway, so I just, I just, I just wanted to uh, share that and uh, hear your 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 comments on that. I, I don't know if I made sense. You did made perfect sense, and this is one of the things that that I pray for with other people. As you know, Aaron, we have corporate prayer here on Saturday mornings, and when you listen to people pray, you can often tell what their comfort level. With prayer is, I can tell whether they are are regular prayers or or uh, they they do a lot of praying, uh, and I agree with with the man that was discipling you a hundred percent. I call him ticks when somebody will say Jesus, Lord Jesus, this or Lord God Almighty, this, and they'll keep saying those things over and over and over. I call them prayer ticks. Uh, it's just these these uh, fallbacks that we have. Um, and it really demonstrates, I think, Aaron, that we're not that comfortable in just conversing with the Lord at all. So I think we should. Now, Aaron, you've heard me say this many times uh, to the church. I've challenged them. You know, we've all got these recording devices, our phones that we carry with us. And I've encouraged the church here regularly to record their prayers. Just do it three, four, five times. Because when you hear yourself prayer, I think most pray rather, I think most of us are really going to be shocked. Because we do those things, you know, we we say the same things over and over and over. Uh, a lot of times it's a word like just. People say, well, Lord, I just want to uh, be with you just just so we can. I just ask you to do this. And, and when, you, when you're familiar with that and you can't miss it on a recording, Aaron, uh, I think it would really help all of us. Uh, establish a more comfortable pattern of prayer. I also think that we could notice changes of uh, tone, inflection, even volume that are unnecessary. You know, if I was sitting down face to face with you, I wouldn't raise my voice at you. And sometimes we do that in prayer. Uh, I think sometimes we miss what uh, James said when he said the the, the effective prayer of a uh, or the the, the uh, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We think per- fervent is loud, uh, and and none of those things are necessary. So I agree a hundred percent. One other thing that I think is is equally important. Um, I think our prayers can be a lot shorter. I think we repeat ourselves over and over and over. A lot of our prayer time is spent um, uh, informing God of things that he already knows. And I think especially in corporate prayer, uh, we need to pray about things uh, much more concisely. It gets very difficult to listen to people that pray on and on and on and on. And it often takes away uh, from the opportunity of other people to pray. Uh, Jesus' model for prayer, you can read the whole thing, and it only takes you, um, you know, a half a minute. And and, and Jesus, again, he'll, the Holy Spirit will sort of put a little meat on those bones. Um, but I think the idea there is that we can be um, shorter, we can get to the point, 
and I think we can we can pour our hearts out before God without having to sound spiritual. And I think, Aaron, what you're saying and what the man who is discipling you is saying is that we we fall into these bad habits. And I think sometimes we think that makes us sound more spiritual. So I'm 100% in agreement with you, uh, Aaron, and um, um, I think that's instruction that we all need. One more time for everybody in the audience. Um, record your prayers and then just listen back to them. You can do it three or four or five times, and I think you're going to have an idea of what your ticks are and, 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 and the, the, the phrases that you fall back on over and over and over. We need to remember that praying is nothing more than talking to the Lord. And we talk to the Lord, as Aaron said, like a friend, and if we, we understand that, uh, I think it makes our prayers much more effective um, so, Aaron, thank you for the opportunity to talk about that. Let's go to line two. We got Matthew from Cibolo. Matthew, thank you for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Papa. Love hey. you. I hope you've been well. I'm I'm doing well. Thank you. Oh yeah. So I, you know, going back and uh, listening to while well, I finished your one, listening to the uh, Book of Haggai, and you beat us up. And those three, in those three messages. But uh, any, uh, I was going to ask any final thoughts, anything uh, to wrap up. You know, um, I just like to hear your final thoughts on the book of Haggai, and it was just <laughs> such a blessing. So thank you for that. Thank you, Matthew. You know, I. Uh, my, my heart has been broken. We, we've been in, in uh, Haggai for, for three weeks. Now we're done. To, this coming Wednesday, we're going into Leviticus. Um, but on our Wednesday night Old Testament studies, this one really hit home with me. Um, I think it's very contemporary. I think the circumstances, um, you know, um, uh, Zechariah, Haggai, and, and uh, Malachi are the, the, the final uh, prophets of the Old Testament, they're the post-exilic prophets, and um, you know they're they're there to prepare people for the for the coming of Jesus. Now Jesus is going to come as a baby, but I think in the day that we live in, Matthew, the time and the and the hour that we live in, I just think it's really important that we prepare for the Lord's coming. He's coming soon. Uh, we don't have a date. We don't know the time, but we know it will be sudden, and there won't be any time after that. To sort of make the corrections, uh, people that aren't saved are going to get cast into the Great Tribulation. So it really hit me hard. Now, let me tell you what's hit me uh, the hardest about all of this. As a pastor, um, I deal with, every pastor does, but but I deal with uh, people who are settling for way less than God's best. They're settling for less. They're, they're, they're partially obedient, which is really uh, being disobedient. Uh, they're holding on to unforgiveness and, and rationalizing it. Uh, they're dabbling around with what they consider minor sin. And they don't understand that God is the one who is frustrating their pursuit of joy, their pursuit of happiness. Um, you know, God's not going to let us be content if we're not being obedient. And, and, and in two separate places in Haggai, he says, you know, uh, you got money in your pockets, but your pockets have holes. You go look for the wine and there's never enough. You look for the grain and there's never enough. You eat, but you're never full. And that describes the lives of so many Christians in these last days. Jesus said, if you lose your life for me, you'll find it. Now, before they said, you find your life, and that's what we're taught from the time we're young, go get it, go out and make something of your life. Jesus said, if we find our life, we're going to lose it. But if we lose it for him, then we'll find it. And I just don't think, Matthew, that uh, enough Christians have faith enough to really believe that. And we don't let go of our hopes and our dreams. We want to do things uh, our way, we want Jesus to come to us on our terms. And we think, well, I'm going to church. I'm doing the right things. I'm really saved. So why is my life so uh, unsatisfying? Where is the abundant life that Jesus promised? And it's God who's frustrating those plans because he wants us to have the fullness that he's chosen for us. It means we've got to serve. You know, churches will be full on Sunday. And the reality is that very few people who are sitting in the, the church services are actually serving the body of Christ. They're going to church, but that's not serving. That's just spectating. 
And uh, they wonder, well, why isn't there more? Where's my miracle? Or where's my goosebumps? And, and why hasn't God fixed my marriage? Why isn't God? And we can have a bunch of questions. And, and uh, Haggai tells us very clearly that it's God who is thwarting our pursuit of the things that we think will make us happy because he has so much better for us. And Matthew, as I said on Wednesday night, this absolutely breaks this pastor's heart. I see people whose lives are lacking, and by that I, I don't mean they're not saved at all, but there's no joy. They're kind of grumbly and complaining about things. Their hearts don't seem to be filled with much gratitude toward the Lord. And in the process, um, um, you know, God gives us the, the way out of that mess. Uh, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And we don't do it because we simply don't know that he's trustworthy. And we think that letting go of the things that we want or the things that we've always thought we wanted, we think letting go of those things will ruin us. You know, there'll be no fun. My hopes and dreams will be shattered. And Jesus is in the background the whole time saying, oh, I wish we had more. I wish we had more. One other thing I want to say about Wednesday's Bible study, Matthew, and um, you were here, so um, uh, there's a whole bunch of people I knew that they would be upset about this. But um, one of the things that that I talked about was we have lost the fear of God. Uh, I I compared the, the COVID pandemic, you know, when parents, and I was speaking specifically to parents, um, when when parents would make their kids wear masks, they would lock them up in the house. They wouldn't let them go to school. They wouldn't let them go out and hang out with other friends. All those things that we now know were psychologically detrimental, harmful to our kids. But we did it because we believed the government authorities. We believed them. And because we were afraid of the disease... We did all of those things, and we enforced with our children the rules. But we don't protect our kids in this world the same way or with the same fervor. And I talked about social media and how social media is is destroying. You know, Paul said that, and Jesus also said that Satan is the prince of this world, the little G God of the air. And and um, social media, we we're, we're spending so much time. Um, looking at our phones, we're spending so much time being pressured, even brainwashed. Our children are being brainwashed. And that's why these kids are deciding all of a sudden, hey, I'm gay or hey, I'm transsexual. And and the reason we think that is because we've been pressured and brainwashed to believe it. And still parents won't protect their children by taking away those phones. Now, I realize I'm not going to change the world and I'm going to get off this soapbox in just a moment. But we who are parents are going to stand before God and give account of our stewardship over those kids. And to allow your children complete access to pornography. Many of your young men, before they've had their first kiss, are addicted to pornography. Hardcore stuff. And we say nothing about it. Oh, boys will be boys. Now your daughters are being affected with by pornography. Your daughters are going to end up dating boys who are addicted to pornography. And those boys are going to think that the things they see watching pornography are things that your daughter will like. And they're going to do those things to her. And we say nothing about it. And all because we won't go to our children. We're afraid to go to our children and say, this isn't good for you. So the only time you can use this is in this house. In this room where we all are, this is the only time where it can be supervised. These websites are, I said I'm going to get off the soapbox quickly and I'm going too far. Uh, so just, just we need to be better stewards. And uh, Haggai warns us of that. You know, one of the things that Jesus said is a sign, of, the, the surest sign of the end times. You know, we're familiar with earthquakes and, and wars and rumors of wars. We all know the passages. But Jesus said, this is how you'll know that we're at the end. Don't be deceived by false prophets, lying prophets. And there is a spirit of lying 
prophets out there that is absolutely destroying our children. And we parents, many times it's because we're hooked on social media as well, but we parents are doing nothing to protect our kids. And all of that, Matthew, breaks my heart. So it was a a hard-hitting message. The Lord was very clear with me. He wanted me to be very, very direct, and so I was. Let's go to an anonymous call from Smithville on line three. Thank you for calling. You're on the air. Okay. Uh, Jesus said that whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Is there any exception to that rule so that the so that a man does not sin when he marries a divorced woman? Yeah, if the, if the woman had reasons to be divorced, then certainly um, um, he wouldn't be committing adultery. Uh, you know, God gives us some grounds for divorce, and, and if we divorce with those biblical grounds, then certainly adultery isn't committed because of divorce. But one of the things we have to understand, Anonymous, when we're looking at what Jesus said, we we need to look at the context. What was he saying? Remember uh, Matthew chapter 19 the uh, the Jewish leaders came to him, his disciples first, and then the Jewish leaders were around. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? And the Jews, the, the, there were two schools of thought among the religious leaders in Israel, and one was that you could divorce for any and every reason. If the woman was unsatisfying at all, then you could divorce her. The other school, completely in the opposite, there's, there's no grounds for divorce except adultery. And so Jesus was simply saying, your excuses for what he would claim is serial divorce, that's nothing more than adultery in the eyes of God. And that's what he was doing. So anytime someone divorces, and God hates divorce, that much is clear. But anytime someone divorces and they have biblical grounds, then they are also free to remarry. And I think sometimes we don't take the entirety of the teaching in the Bible on divorce. We just, well, God hates it, so we can't do it. And uh, um, we have to remember that whenever God grants us the freedom to divorce, then the rest of us, we've got to honor that freedom to divorce as well. So thank you for the call. I appreciate it. And thank you for your patience holding on the line. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from Anonymous. How much time do I have? Okay, I'm going to hold this one over for the for the break. Uh, we'll do this first one. I think this is an important one. Uh, here is a question from Timothy. He says, I'm a grown man, but I'm still afraid of the dark. Is this normal, and how should I deal with it? Timothy, let me tell you something. I hate darkness. I absolutely hate it. We've got, you know, we, we moved into a new house a couple of years ago, and, and this house, it's it's never dark. And I'm thrilled. I got a... a, a, a thermostat that has this green light on it that, I mean, literally, you could comb your hair with. I mean, it, it's, I hate the dark. So um, I don't think it's at all unusual for people to be afraid of the dark. Now, here's what you've got to do. You've got to, to, to deal with that fear. Uh, don't let the fear keep you from uh, fulfilling what God has for you, um, uh, from compromising your witness. I don't know if you're married or there are other people in the home or not. But the one thing that you want to do is you want to demonstrate that you can grow in your faith and fear of God, and then you can decrease your fear of other things in this world like the darkness. So I don't think at all it's unusual. I think more of us have phobias about things, um, but but the key is to keep those phobias controlled, understanding that God is the one who's in charge of those things, uh, that God is the one who protects you at night. And uh, I think it's something that we have to deal with head on. And rather than focusing on the source of our fear, we have to focus on the one who keeps us safe. Timothy, let me tell you something. Just share a little bit about me. I go to bed every night. And, and you know, the enemy's always yelling at me, lying to me all the time. And the first thing I'll do, and I don't do this, I pray usually before I get in bed. But when I get to bed, I with my head laid back, I said, Jesus... Uh, tonight I choose to rest in your love. 
I choose to trust you, Lord, and ask you to protect my body physically and uh, protect my my dreams and my nightmares uh, and uh, and help me get a restful night of sleep. And that's what I would suggest you do. Just say, and he knows anyway, so Lord, you know I'm afraid of the dark. But Jesus, you are the light of the world and you're and you're always with me. In fact, you live in me. And what I choose to do tonight, just tonight, Lord, I'll ask for help tomorrow too, but just tonight, help me to rest in your love and in your protection. And in that process, Timothy, what will happen is you will um, eventually be able to sort of turn off the lies of the enemy and you'll be able to be rational about the thing that you're afraid of. You know, fear is normal in the world that we live in. But we don't want to be afraid of irrational things. And the dark has never done anything. Now, you may have had some terrible experiences as a child. I don't know. But the dark itself has never done anything at all. And Jesus is your light in the darkness. So what you want to do is you want to deal with this. Don't give in to it. Deal with it and focus on Jesus instead of on that thing that you're afraid of. Hey, thank you for the calls. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. You're listening to The Word to Stand On for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. We'll be back in two minutes. Back to the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of the program, our final 30 minutes of the week. My goodness, the, the break goes quick. Now the week has gone by quickly. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here's an anonymous question from our email inbox. Um, and it's, uh, it's from somebody who comes here. Um, hello, pastor. Good day to you. I pray for you, Mama Paula and all the pastors daily. Let me stop there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's the most important thing you can do for, for me and for us. And I'm truly grateful. And then he says this, he or she, um, it's a he, uh, I've been attending Calvary Chapel for four years now, and my life has been completely changed since being saved. God bless you. That's cool. Uh, however, my struggle is that I don't seem to be close to any brothers, and I wonder if it is an issue with me. Uh, I have only had so-called friends before. I've only had so-called friends before I was saved, but we only had sin in common. I don't know if I come across as standoffish, as I do love all my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I'm a cool, nice guy once you get to know me. I think I'm pretty cool, too, so God bless you for that. And then he says this, I feel sad and lonely at times because I truly feel that I'm missing a good friendship with another born-again Christian, as that is something I've never had in life. Would attending men's Bible study help with getting to know my brothers better, respectfully, and that is anonymous letter. Two things. One, thank you for uh, looking in instead of looking out. So often people say, well, you know, nobody's nice to me at church, and, and nobody talks to me, and I just, I thought Christians were supposed to be friendlier. And the first thing you do is say, maybe this is an issue with me. And and I so appreciate that more than you can know. God wants to fix it. I'm grateful, really grateful that your life has changed completely since being saved. That's what Jesus does to us. Now, let me suggest this. Um, um, I don't know who you are. You know who I am. You can come to me anytime. And I, no matter how old you are, I could introduce you to 10 men, 10 men, um, regardless, again, of, of age, um, who who would include you in a bunch of stuff. You know, Friday nights, we have our Friday night Bible study. I can tell you tonight, there will be probably 20 people who will leave from church here, and they'll go out to a Denny's or to an IHOP or some other place, and they will sit, or to a, a Mexican food place, and they will sit, and they will have fellowship and eat together and just hang out for a, an hour or more. And they do it every Friday night. I mean, we've always got people 
uh, who are doing things. Um, you asked if coming to a men's Bible study would help you get to know people better. Of course it would. But also, and I think this is the key, Anonymous, is get involved in serving. Because the people with who, with whom you are serving, um, those those men and women will become friends. Um, you have something in common. You get to know their hearts. You you break down those barriers and those walls um, that that we all have at at times, and they will change you. You know, I, I use this as an example all the time. But we have a uh, we have a Saturday morning cleaning crew here. They get here about seven or seven thirty, um, and uh, you know it's it started out with a small group. Now there's probably twenty people that come, and they they clean the church, get it ready. But but in the in the interim, they're having a party together. I mean, a lot of times they'll bring food and they'll bring pastries and they'll bring all kinds of stuff, and they'll just hang, they'll clean, they'll hang out together. And and this group of people, you know, it's grown, but these group of people have been together for, for for more than 10 years. And they just love being together. That's what serving with someone does. So the best thing you can do is get involved in serving. One other thing, and I think this is important, I, I, and this is me, and you can tell Pastor Matt that I'm the one that sent you. Uh, when we have people that are a little bit, shy or maybe a little bit introverted and they say well well where can i serve the one thing i always suggest that they do is go to the usher ministry because it forces them and i think this is the hand of god sort of forcing them to uh, get out of their shell get to know people and and they they do it and and when they experience the power of the holy spirit um, flowing through them, uh, it changes everything. They get to know people, people get to know them, and it just breaks down those walls. So that kind of fellowship and that kind of friendship is really important to a healthy walk with Jesus Christ. Iron sharpening iron, brothers being together. I'll give you another example. Tomorrow morning, uh, we have prayer at uh, 9.30. We have a group in our prayer um, uh, I mean, I, I, now a lot of these people have been coming for, for 10, 15 years to the Saturday morning prayer, however long we've been doing it. Uh, and, and you pray with people and they, they get deposited in your heart and you're like family. So very important that you can, um, you, you can get involved uh, with Saturday morning prayer and you really hear people's hearts. Uh, every other weekend, uh, Pastor Alfredo has a men's uh, Bible study on Saturday. We do it. We have a men's study on Monday. We have a men's study every other Saturday. We have foundations class on Sundays. And we also have Spanish um, uh, language church on, on Sunday evenings at 5 o'clock too. And you'll get involved with those people. One other thing, Saturday mornings. Um, if you When I get here for prayer tomorrow, uh, there will be a bunch of men singing so loudly that you you can't miss them, and it's called Minute Worship. Um, one of our dear men who've been here for a very very long time, uh, Richard Elder, uh, it's a ministry that God put on his heart. And on these Saturdays, that's a couple Saturdays a month, um, uh, where where they meet, uh, and tomorrow is one of those days. Uh, there will be a bunch of men up here just praising God. You don't have to have a good voice. You just have a, a heart that really wants to worship God. And those men also become friends. So here's what I would suggest you do. You come to me, and um, and when I see what age group you belong to, and, and I don't think we should stay within our age groups necessarily, but but I can introduce you to a whole bunch of people that will put their arm around you and say, come on. And, and, uh, and that kind of fellowship is so important for a healthy walk with Jesus Christ. God bless you. Um, it's wonderful, uh, absolutely wonderful, that your um, life has been changed so much. That's what Jesus specializes in. Let's go to line one from San Antonio. William on line one. Thanks for holding, William. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I love Hi. you, man. Hey, my question is about Joseph in Genesis in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's all these, I guess, comparisons or whatever to Jesus. Uh, I heard one pastor say there was like 106 or something. Mm-hmm. So 
you're always talking about Jesus in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. or a foreshadowing, or a portrait of Jesus. Why is that story there? I mean, it, I, I know that it, there's all these there's all these portraits and all this comparison, but overall, why why is that story? Is there any reason it's told other than to? Uh, I don't know if I'm even asking the question right, but. Um, yeah, I, I think I get. Well, I, I think I understand what you're getting at, William. But, but, but the important is, in, in, or the the, the uh, Joseph story is important um, as it relates to Jesus. You know, obviously, um, Joseph is is an example. I, I said in my studies in Joseph uh, through Genesis that he is the the the, the most closely typed uh, human being to Jesus in in so many ways. And then as we go through it, well, he's the type of Christ here. This is what, what Jesus has done for us, and it's pictured in Jesus. But but Joseph is important for a lot of other reasons. He's important historically. Uh, obviously, his story needs to be told. This is Joseph's testimony. And one of the things that I think we lose sight of, especially looking at Old Testament character studies, I think we lose sight of the fact that testimonies are really, really important. And and they're very very fruitful. We're in the book of Acts on Sundays, uh, William, and and uh, uh, Paul is going to tell give his testimony on three separate occasions in that book. So Joseph is a testimony, a testimony about God's faithfulness, a testimony regarding God's sovereignty behind the scenes. What looked like misery for Joseph, what looked like the the most unfair treatment perhaps of any major character in our Bibles. God was in the background protecting him, blessing him, helping him find favor. I love the fact that, that Joseph, no matter where he went, he found favor. He found favor with Potiphar. He found favor uh, even when he had to go to jail, to prison. found favor with the, the, the head jail keeper. Um, uh, he found favor everywhere. And so what we see is God working behind the scenes in a way that Joseph never could have seen him. And and never would have understood. I mean, Joseph, uh, if I was Joseph, let me put it this way. If I was Joseph, I would have been the biggest whiner and complainer in the Bible. I can't believe I'm in prison. I didn't do anything wrong. It's not fair. God, I thought you loved me. This doesn't make sense. And Joseph had the faith to believe that God was working all things together for his good because he loved God and was called according to his purpose. Now, Joseph obviously had never read Romans 8.28. But Joseph's life is, Romans 8.28, worked out practically and physically for us. So there's so many reasons. Joseph is in the line of the Lord. Joseph was uh, a man who trusted God. Joseph was a man who, though treated unfairly, was able to forgive. Chapter 50, Joseph tells his brothers, you intended this for evil, but God intended it for good. It's a lesson on 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 forgiving and understanding that sometimes God works in ways that we can't possibly imagine. And Joseph is just one of those stories. So um, that's why he was that important. And Joseph was a man. He was so much had such great faith. Uh, his bones were carried out of Egypt. Remember, most powerful man except Pharaoh in Egypt. And yet he refused to be left there because he knew, and I'll put it the way Hebrews puts it, he was looking for a a city whose builder and maker was God. So Joseph is just one of the great, really great character stories, and it's really important. And by the way, William, you didn't ask this, but it's also, I think, critical for us. I think the the book in the Old Testament with the best... um, um, uh, Character studies of all of them, the most interesting and certainly the most fun as a Bible teacher is the book of Judges. So each one of those characters uh, tell us something about Jesus and Jesus working in and through their lives in spite of their deficiencies. And Joseph, of course, is one of the great ones. William, thank you for the call. I appreciate it very, very much. 340-9585. Elizabeth wants to know, Pastor Ron, is hypnosis a good way to deal with issues like smoking or overeating? Now, Elizabeth, what I'm going to say is going to offend some people who say, well, I did hypnosis and it helped me stop smoking. Um, uh, It's not. Never let anybody have access to your brain. Never let anybody have access to your subconscious. 
um, you know, we do that, and it's a, an act of great faith in that person, and we know that that you know there's nothing good in any of us, and yet we'll surrender ourselves uh, in a situation like this. I'm certain that hypnosis has worked, but I think it's just a good practice to to trust in the Lord. Let me also say this. Uh, you use smoking or overeating as the issues. I can promise you one from personal experience. Uh, I can promise you that Jesus will help you more with issues like that than any other person can, hypnosis or not. So we don't want to surrender our subconscious to other people. We don't want to be controlled by anything and I think sometimes Jesus is in heaven saying, hey, why didn't you come to me? Why didn't you ask me? Now, here's part of the problem, Elizabeth, and this isn't about you because I don't know you. But so often we, we think, well, we'll just take away the desire. And when he doesn't take away the desire, we think that he's failing us. Well, God's job is not to take away the desire. God's job, and he does it well as the Holy Spirit, his job is to strengthen us and to equip us to win these battles on our own. I've seen Elizabeth drug addicts, I mean full-blown heroin addicts. I've seen them immediately upon getting saved, get sober, and all of the the desire to to, to imbibe, all of it gone instantly, and they never had, had that desire again. And people say, well, well, why won't God do that with cigarettes, or why won't God do that with other things? God will leave the things in your life that will help him teach you who he is and how powerful he is. What God takes away from people, especially brand new believers, is that which is going to kill them. But he leaves the other stuff because we all need to learn to fight. We need to learn to trust God. And we need these victories in our life so that Jesus can um, prove himself to us that he is trustworthy. Very important principle, Elizabeth. Too often we want God just to make everything easy, and um, he never does. He never does. Good question. Um, This is an anonymous question. Is it required that we ask for forgiveness from every person we have sinned against? Um, Anonymous, I think it's required is not the right word, but I think it's a really good thing. I think it is a godly thing to do when possible. But the reality is, I mean, when I got saved, I had messed with so many people. I'd lied to so many people. I hurt so many people that I couldn't possibly ever ask for forgiveness from all of them. And um, uh, that's why we ask for forgiveness from the Lord. Uh, and then what we do is we live a new life completely focused on on the person of Jesus Christ. And then people will see the change in you. But but it's not required. I think it's a good thing. I think it is a humbling thing, and we all need to be humbled. But it is a humbling thing to go to people and say, uh, I wronged you. You have no reason to forgive me, but I met Jesus Christ. My life has changed, and I hope you can forgive me. I'm so sorry for what I've done. And that kind of humbling is good for our soul. A contrite spirit is a good thing. So I think it is a good thing to do, and especially when it comes to people that are close to you, family members, uh, friends, um, ex-spouses. I think it's really good to accept responsibility for the problems we caused. That way they can see a change in you. And I've seen that very thing, Anonymous, be the reason other people came to faith in Jesus Christ. It's almost like, well, well, why would he or why would she do that? They never asked for forgiveness before. But it's a really, really good thing. And if you're willing to humble yourself, God will really use that and and your life will bring glory to him. So is it required? No. But I think it's something that is good for us to do whenever we can, whenever the opportunity presents itself. I think it takes a big man or a big woman to say, you know what, I was a jerk. And I, I'm tired of being a jerk, and that's why I asked Jesus into my heart. But but I'm so sorry for the things I've done and for the ways I've hurt you. There's no excuse for what I've done. I'm not trying to run away from responsibility. I'm just saying 
I'm sorry if you could ever find it in your heart to forgive me. I'd be grateful. You know, those two words, um, let me me expand that to five words. I'm sorry I was wrong. Those words will mend more broken hearts than we can possibly imagine. Not I'm sorry, but, or not I'm sorry if, I'm sorry. I was wrong. No excuses. No rationalizations. I'm just really sorry. So I hope that helps. Thank you very, very much. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Anthony uh, asks, what is the difference between a Bible study and a Sunday sermon, and how do you do both? Anthony, in my particular style of doing things, and I laugh when I say style because I don't really have a style, but, but they're all the same. What I do on Wednesday night tonight uh, and what I'll do on Friday night and then, or I'm sorry, tonight's Friday night. Friday night tonight or a Wednesday, which is an Old Testament study, or a Sunday is exactly the same. I just go verse by verse through the portion of Scripture that we're studying and I, um, uh, we read it, uh, explain it, we interpret it, and then we apply it. And that's really um, what we do with every message. I know in some traditions, uh, Bible studies, people sitting around talking about uh, what Sunday school is for in a lot of places, um, talking about it, asking questions or answering questions about a particular book or passage. Um, but um, on Sunday, that's when the preacher preaches. He's got a topical sermon and, and, and we're trying to entertain people or we're trying to, 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 uh, to touch on real life issues. Uh, I've just found personally for me that the best way to do it all is to give them the word of God. Verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and that's exactly what we do. So just in my case, um, there's no difference at all. One of the things that's always cracked me up, now I like listening to both his Bible studies and his Sunday sermons uh, when the opportunity presents. But J. Vernon McGee, you know, when he's just teaching the Bible, the Through the Bible radio program, uh, he's just very... Matter of fact, teaching the Bible. Uh, on his Sunday sermons, it's completely different. I mean, he turns full-blown preacher, and his voice is different, the inflection is different. And uh, and I just always thought that was was interesting, uh, something I don't have the ability to do. So um, what you see on Wednesday or what you see on a Friday is what you get on a Sunday. That's just who we are. Anthony, thank you for the question. I think we got time for at least one more. Uh, in Leviticus 12, uh, and this one is also anonymous. In Leviticus 12, why is the time of uncleanness double for women as opposed to boys being born? Does this prove that God is against women? Well, first of all, God certainly isn't against women. He created um, the most beautiful woman who's ever uh, been on this earth, Eve. Um, so, so male or female there's God's not a respecter of person. So anytime you're looking to prove that God is against women, um, you're, 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 you run really, really close to, to blaspheming God, challenging God uh, when he doesn't need to be. Uh, in Leviticus 12, you're right. The time of uncleanness is double for the women and for the, the baby. Um, and, and the, the, the purification time. Uh, and, and I think the reason is pretty straightforward. In Jewish tradition, under Jewish law, boys had to be circumcised on the eighth day. That means the uncleanness could only be for, for one week, and then on the eighth day of life they would be circumcised. That's the sign of the covenant between God and Israel. Um, the girls, of course, did not have to be circumcised. So they could have a longer period of time um, uh, where where they could be um, at home with their babies. It's sort of like an ancient uh, maternity leave. And it would give the women more time to bond with their babies, uh, for a family to bond together. And uh, that's all it is. It's just um, just maternity leave. Uh, and the boys, of course, because they had to fulfill the law of being circumcised on the eighth day. And by the way, we are going to Leviticus beginning this Wednesday uh, here at Calvary Chapel. I've put it off for over 28 years now. And the uh, Lord's sort of been 
pushing me. So we're going to start Leviticus on this coming Wednesday uh, at 7 o'clock. So that's what Leviticus 12 is all about. Let me see if I have time for one more. Joey says, Is it a lack of faith to keep praying about a particular thing, or should we pray once and believe God will answer? Joey, Jesus gives us the answer to that in the prayer of the persistent widow. Uh, He says we should all pray and not faint or not give up, uh, just like she did. And she kept on knocking and kept on knocking. That was the purpose. It is not an act of faithlessness to keep asking God for the same thing. Uh, I am pounding on the door of heaven for the same thing, the same people, over and over and over. And then I keep knocking on the door until the prayers get answered. And once the prayers get answered, then I spend a whole bunch of time day after day thanking God for hearing our prayers. It's always such an encouragement to me. So keep on praying. It's not a lack of faith at all. Keep praying and God is going to answer. Now, he always answers prayers, either yes, no, or wait. But we have to be patient and really believe. That's the prayer offered in faith. That's what we do. Make sure you're praying in the will of God. Make sure you're able to say at the end of your prayer, nevertheless, thy will, not my will be done. And your prayers, joy, will be answered. Hey, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to The Word to Stand Up for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. I'll be back, Lord willing, on Monday. On AM 630, The Word. We'll see you at 4 o'clock. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio.